This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio program. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I have with me Mary Solomon. She's been the regional director for the National Day of Prayer in Everett, also the precinct committee officer for the Republican Party, and she's heavily involved in church activities, directing the leadership, I should say, of the Church of the Responsibilities Civically. What is our responsibilities civically? Now, I want you to tune in tomorrow because we're going to do a program on that, the church's responsibility. How do we get involved civically? What is the pastor's responsibility? That is going to be tomorrow. Now, today we're talking about slavery and sex trafficking. Now, Mary, welcome to the Warning Radio program. Thank you. Also, we're on social media, so you can watch me on YouTube or Rumble and Roku, and we have 40 podcasts. So you're not just on radio, but you're on television on social media. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, Mary Solomon, slavery and sex trafficking. You know, that's a very interesting mm-hmm. topic, plus it's a very important one. Yes. Uh, I was in Hawaii last year for about five weeks, and it's heavy over there. Women, girls, sex trafficking, tourists coming in and being exploited, these young girls, ladies. Right. So, uh, slavery and sex trafficking, why don't you share on that? Well, it actually goes back to something that I'm doing right now. I've been researching. So I wrote a book called Government and Its People, How the Church Can Participate in Government, and that's been out and about. And now I'm doing a second edition, and the second edition is including what I call the slavery chapters. Actually, the Lord began to show me that I need to do a second edition and add more information because... I started to understand as I've been studying and realizing that in the last recent history, going back all the way to the England days with William Wilberforce, is that Christians have been the ones that have spearheaded most of the cultural shifts in our world. So as I began to study more and more, I realized like with the slave trade in England, it was um, William Wilberforce that after he got converted to Christianity and he was voted into parliament, he decided he was going to use his position, you know, as a state 
represented, well, you know, I don't know if they call it a state, but in Parliament to decide to end the slave trade in England. Sure. And um, a couple little things about him. So in 1789, William introduced his first bill to abolish the slave trade. He gave an impassioned speech and spoke for over three hours. He described the horrors of the Middle Passage and described how over 400 people were fitted below decks on a ship and the terrible conditions upon those trips. And he ended his first speech to abolish the slave trade with those words. And so that was in 1789, and it took him 20 years. Every year, he would get up on the floor and offer a law to end the slave trade. He was persistent. He persevered. He eventually had other Christians and Christian abolitions around him. And eventually, he was used to end the slave trade and also to abolish slavery in that part of the world. And he was a very, very, very strong Christian man. And he surrounded his life with Christians, and there were Christians that surrounded him. And so there was one example that I realized how, and it was outside of the church. There were churches, there were Christians that supported him, but there was actually religious institutions that were against him. And then I realized as I studied, uh, you know, moved on to history, Harriet Tubman, she was another one that was a slave in the South and was able to escape, but she was raised up in the Methodist church, you know, under, of course, at that time, the Methodist movement was so strong and it also infiltrated the black community as well. And so she ended up having an accident where somebody had hit her with a two-pound metal ball type thing in her forehead. It did damage to her brain. So she would have these blackouts, but she was still a very strong believer. And, and with her story, when she went into these blackouts, she had visions and visitations from God, and they were sleeping spells. She would actually, all of a sudden, she'd be talking to you, and she would just pass out. And everybody would say, oh, that's Harriet. She'll wake up at some point. But she says during these sleeping spells, she believed it was a portal from God. And she said, she would wake up from these spells with visions that prophesied the future. God began to personally speak and direct her life. When she escaped from slavery, she said God led her out through the swamps with the North Star. And then when she got out of it, she ended up coming back by the Holy Spirit, and it was called the Underground Railroad at the time. Yes. And she helped other slaves, and she ended up freeing her whole family, including her parents. But she says that God led her on each escape route. It was by the Holy Spirit. And what was really interesting with her is that she believed, she was told by God that there would be a civil war, and people scoffed her and laughed her, and she says, no, God told me there's going to be a civil war, and nobody believed her, and here yet it happened. And so that was, and you know, everyone knows the name of Harriet Tubman now, but a lot of people don't equate some of these names with their Christianity. They were very, very fierce believers of God yeah, and yes. His Word. Totally. So then you go down and, and that reminds me, oh, uh, Mary, a little yeah. bit of, of, of Moses. I mean, uh, yes. God directed him and he led the people out of slavery Absolutely. out of Egypt. Yes, he did. Again, the same type of thing where God directed. Yes. God revealed. God spoke. And these people followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, God. Yes. And so, yeah, when you were talking about that, I said, you know, that's just like Moses. Yes. They called her Moses. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I I did. Years ago, I did a a little bit of research on her. And so I know a little bit about her. And yes, she was the Moses, so to speak. 
Yes. I let my people go. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you have um, Harriet Beecher Stowe during that time, and she is the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. And that book, she was a, she was a, a daughter of a Presbyterian pastor, and she had two brothers that were pastors. Very strong Christian. She's actually written books, um, devotional books about the Lord, but she also was very spiritual and had other experiences that maybe religious people, you know, um, you know, well, you know, you've talked about, I'm sure, with about visions and dreams and angelic visitations. Yes. This is the kind of experiences some of these people had. Totally. And so she she um, had some some unusual experiences where she was a little bit um, ridiculed about. But lo- but be- besides all that, when she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, people asked her because um, Abraham Lincoln, when he finally met her, he said, oh, so you're the lady that started this war. That's how powerful an impact that that book had on that day during the North and the South. But the thing is, when they asked about it, about how she wrote the book, she insisted. She says, I did not write that book. God wrote that book through me. She says that she would get visions of the chapters and then she would write it down. And what's so interesting about this book, that book ended up becoming a play and it was the longest running. It, Uncle Tom's Cabin has to this day has been the longest running play in um, United States history. I mean, you know, they don't play it as much, but back in the day. And also, there was a famous author, a Southern author, because the South couldn't stand her. They hated her. And in fact, um, a movie called Birth of the Nation was was based on a book of the pro-slavery, even back then in the 20s, trying to reverse her book and turn it into like the opposite effect. But anyways, that's another story. But um, a Southern author named Thomas Dixon attended an Uncle Tom play in 1901 and he was so infuriated by what he regarded as this endorsement of black power that he wrote bitterly of Stowe, a little Yankee woman wrote a book. The single act of that woman's will caused the war, killed a million men, desolated and ruined the South and changed the history of the world. And the point being is that people really do believe that that book spearheaded um, the beginnings of the Civil War. Well, and she is emphatic that she didn't write the book that God gave it to her. So it just goes back to God's people are the ones that are the movers and the shakers. And um, so anyways, and then another person that I studied was um, 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 Fre- Frederick Douglass. And um, Douglass was a powerful, um, um, uh, how do you call it a speaker, but they called it or- already. Yeah. And um, a lot of people today don't think that Frederick Douglass belongs in the camp of like the, one of the Christian, you know, um, leaders, or they questioned his Christianity because he actually was raised again too in the Methodist faith in the South. And then he escaped slavery. And when he went up North, he joined a a Methodist church. The, um, what ended up happening is the blacks began began to start their own Methodist movement. So there was the white Methodist congregations, and then there were the black Methodist congregations. He actually developed his speaking skills in church. He was an elder, a deacon, a leader. He had, you know, he they let him speak very often. He began to hone in on these amazing preaching and teaching and speaking skills. So that God began to open the door for him. But the thing that just infuriated him was the hypocrisy of the church. And so um, it wasn't that he wasn't a very strong Christian man. He was, but he, he was into Christianity, not church churchanity, right? But one of his speeches that he gave at um, in um, Great Britain, when he was asked to speak at this anti- it was an anti-slavery um, event, 
And he began his speech with describing the horrors of slavery. And this is what he said, with the weight of a prophetic mantle, he spoke. Master denied their slaves the chance to receive an education, to marry, or even to read the Bible. No weapon was too cruel for slaveholders to enforce their reign. Starvation, the bloody whip, the chain, the gag, the thumbscrew, among others. This was the plight of American slaves, Douglas told his listeners. The millions in bondage who lived and suffered in a nation boasting of its liberty boasting of its humanity he's talking about the united states boasting of its christianity boasting of its love of justice and purity for the rest of his speech at um this chapel douglas dwelt on the tragic disconnect between the boasts of christian america and the fate of its slaves here he spoke in full prophetic form he says Southern religion remained the great supporter, the great sanctioner of all bloody atrocities. American slaves endured. Support for slavery had become as an essential pillar of Christian orthodoxy as practiced in the white South. Douglas said ministers of Christ's gospel were the most ardent defenders of the institution. Every Sunday they stood in the pulpit and lent their support to slavery, delivering sermons that torture the hallowed pages of inspired wisdom. Douglas concluded that the darkest future future of slavery was the unequivocal support it received from the white Southern clergy, which exposed any critic of the institution to the charge of infidelity. He said the ultimate irony of pro-slavery Christianity was that it labeled slavery's opponents heretic and its supporters orthodox. So basically, what I found was that, and he had he his main thing that he suffered with and 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 was tormented with was could a Christian, a uh, could a a white slave owner or oh, any slave owner for that matter, but back then South a white slave owner be a true Christian, and he addressed that he fought that he saw how the the um, the economy in the South and the government and the churches they all blended together to continue to enforce and strengthen slavery. And the thing is, is that these slave owners were strong, a lot of them, like in the 90 percentile, were people that would go to church, Methodist churches on Sunday, and or different churches, maybe Presbyterian, but you know, and they would bring their Bible in one arm and bring their wife in another, and then Monday through fi- Friday, they would beat their slaves, they would whip their slaves, they would um, have, um, some of them had sexual intercourse with their slaves, Right, fornication, oh, adultery, sure. and then they would make the slaves interbreed like one slave with maybe two, three, four, five women, right? And that's fornication. What is that? And so, you know, the point being is the complete hip- hypocrisy of an, of religious institutions where greed and blindness and hatred and racism were infiltrated fully in the churches. And so reading this and studying this, it brought me to realize that that um, it's it just so many parallels to today. And so we can we'll get into what I want, you know, the other issue. Now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you're watching, listening to the Warning Radio program, as well as uh, different forms of uh, social media, television. And I have Mary Solomon, uh, Regional Director for the National Day of Prayer, Precinct Officer for the Republican Party. She's also written some books on on church and government. Now, uh, we're talking today on slavery and sex trafficking. Now, again, we all know slavery 
goes way back since the beginning of time. Yes, it does. And so how did uh, slaves come to America, Central South America, by black tribes that went ahead and captured their own. Yes, yes. Not their tribe, but other tribes. Yes. Raped, made them slaves, yes. everything. Yes. And they just passed it on. Yes. Uh, the Muslims were involved with it heavily yes. before uh, England and others, and they're still involved. Yes. A lot of Muslims. And uh, countries. And so, I mean, uh, we're not just talking about uh, one race. Slavery, in fact, even in the South, there were free blacks, uh, plantation holders uh, with their own slaves. Yes. And so we need to understand that. We're really talking about hypocrisy. Yes, that's uh, my main point, is that I'm not really wanting to address a particular race. I wanted to address the fact of the churches. Yeah, the hypocrisy yeah, yes. of, of reading your Bible but not following uh, the teachings of Christ. Right. Cherry-picking, making it uh, do what you want it to do. And, you know, Jesus called them the scribes and Pharisees and, and Sadducees, yes. you know, hypocrites yes. and, and scorpions and vipers. Yes. And uh, he had strong words for hypocrisy. And so today, a lot of churches, uh, a lot of mainline churches under the Federal Council of Churches, a Marxist communist covering. And they're backing every form of sin, homosexuality, uh, abortion, drag queens. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, yet. They cherry pick their Bible. They don't see verses condemning this behavior. Yes, and the thing too with the churches in the South was really was diabolical. Is they used the scriptures to um, enforce slavery because the you know the little scripture that talks about with Paul says if you're if you're slave you know masters obey your slaves that kind of stuff. So they twisted the stri- scriptures to enforce their cruelty. Well, they're twisting the scriptures today to to believe drag queens and and homosexuals yes. can be ordained. Uh, in the church, they're just flat twisting it, taking this way out of context mm-hmm. on love, and, and love is obedience, and and, and it, we could go on on that yeah. judgment, everything else, because uh, if you continue in this behavior, uh, you, man turns into a beast, and the hatred against uh, people that follow Christ. Yes, yes. And so uh, we're, you know, this is what we're talking about: people, slavery, and sex trafficking. So Mary continued. Yeah. So um. So anyways, this led me to you know realize that um about the human it's human actually it's hu- there's human trafficking. I mean there so um you can call it human trafficking, which includes sex trafficking. You bet. You bet. So um I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said the last frontier, I guess, to me as far as a mandate for the church. I mean, I would think the who is going to who's going to rise up and actually defeat human trafficking once and for all because it's it's like to me the last frontier you you know like you said there's been slavery since the since before since since before moses right and um so but some stats on the human trafficking right now in our world there are an estimated 40.3 million victims trapped in modern day slavery including 24.9 million in forced labor and 15.4 million in forced marriages wow there are 5.4 victims of modern slavery for every 1,000 people in the world. Wow. Yes. One in four victims of modern slavery are children. Um, 71% of trafficking victims around the world are women and girls, and 29% are men and boys. Um, 
sexual exploitation is by far the most commonly identified form of human trafficking. And so it just says that um, between 2012 and 2017, 89 million people experienced some form of modern slavery for periods of time ranging from a few days to to the whole five years. Modern slavery occurs in every region of the world. Modern slavery was most prevalent in Africa, followed by Asia and the Pacific, then Europe and Central Asia. And so globally, human traffickers pocket $150 billion per year in profits. Nearly two-thirds of that profit comes from commercial sexual exploitation. Now, get this. Um, um, one of the, um, one of the um, largest, okay, so where, do the, where, does the people, where do the people come from? To the slaves, where do they get the slaves? Right, especially sex slaves. Sex slaves. The or- the um, the significant part of the victims of sex trafficking come from East Europe, Asia, West Africa, and Middle America. So um, I didn't want to name the countries, but like you, I hope you all know those countries. If you don't look it up, that's where they come from. So Middle Middle America, as far as the United States is concerned, is Mexico, Colombia, Honduras, Guatemala, and Jamaica. That's where these people come from. I mean, the other places I mentioned too, Eastern Europe, uh, Asia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, the Philippines. Now, where are they taken? Where are they taken to be exploited? The here are the countries in the north and west, Europe together, with USA and Asia leading areas. Um, Asia leading. So, in other words, USA. In fact, I read another statistic: the United States is over fifty percent of the market for sex trafficking. Fifty percent, and then and then the other fifty percent is for the rest of the world. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's pretty sick. And um, anyways, but the thing is with Mexico um, in the, um, and the southern border, um, the two states that have the most um, um, cases that they can find, these are just the ones that they have found and been prosecuted or what have you, is California and Texas, southern border states. But... Um, but they're coming in from Mexico, and and even though the United States has approximately over fifty percent of the market for sex trafficking, Mexico's market for sex trafficking is like zero point five. So they're letting they're pushing the, the you know it's the same thing with the fentanyl. Yes, it's like yes, if you people yes. didn't have a market for it, we the cartels wouldn't be making their billions of dollars, right? That's right. Well, it's the same thing. The market, our nation. There's like there's some very perverted, corrupt, sick people in our nation that want this. And um, anyway, so um, if there wasn't a market for it. Um, they wouldn't, but 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 that's why one of the things with this with the um, with the border, um, there I already read an article um, about a week ago that um, they're trying to figure out the children because it's open borders basically, and the cartel is just bringing these children, and a lot of these children are coming without their parents, or they're coming with people that are not their parents, and at the border they leave their kid, the kids off. They um, they estimated that one third of the children right now that are going through the border they can't find them. They don't know where they went. And so we know where they went. We know exactly where they went. Well, we also know there's a lot of people in high places, high places, Mary, involved in this thing. Mary, high places. Yes. Government places. Politicians and others heavily involved in this immorality of of sex trafficking and taking advantage of children even. Yes. Taking advantage of children. 
uh, it's been in the news, and you know, yeah. too bad Epstein was uh, died, huh? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the thing is with the churches, I mean, does the churches bear any responsibility for this? Or sure. let's say, do do us as Christians bear any responsibility for this? So it's really interesting. I was talking to um, a friend about this, and I was saying I really believe the church and the authority of from the whole, from Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. If the church would begin to rise up, pray fast, fit, you know, organize, we could um, rip this thing out. Of our nation for one but we could maybe rip it out of the whole world and my friend told me oh that's never going to happen until jesus comes i go you know what thank god that the ones the slaves during um the civil war right in the south and the abolitionists then didn't say oh we're just going to wait till jesus comes to deal with this because there's just more pain and more suffering and more agony so it's not about waiting till jesus comes to eradicate sex trafficking same same thing and Egypt, 400 years of slavery, a good thing Moses didn't say it couldn't be done. Yeah. Yeah. With God, all things can be done. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program, television program, uh, social media. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, president of World Ministries International. I have with me again, Mary Solomon. And we're talking about slavery and sex trafficking. Slavery and sex trafficking. Mary's been the precinct uh, committee officer for the Republican Party and uh, involved with the National Day of Prayer. And so uh, we are talking about slavery and sex trafficking. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you need to get involved. We're trying to have another great awakening. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org. www.worldministries.org. O-R-G. You'll see an article, Calling All Warriors. We need another great awakening. Uh, the church has to come alive and stop this insanity, stop this criminal behavior, stop this immorality. It will bring judgment on this nation. Uh, again, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations or telephone 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248 and join Eagle Saving Nations. Get involved. Help us stop sex slavery. Uh, God bless you. Again, tune in tomorrow because Mary and I are going to discuss civic responsibility and the church. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. 
There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.